Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. I just finished recording an interview with Amber Faruqi that I'm about to share with you today that, uh, man, this is a fun interview. I'm like full of energy after it. It was, it was fun. It was rapid fire. You're going to see uh, she talks just as fast as me, and we cover a lot in this 40-minute interview. So I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, just a little bit of a background on Amber. This is actually the first time I I talked to her. I have seen her content on social media and watched what she's doing and thought she'd be a great fit for the show for a few different reasons. One, uh, she's a great example of someone who's taken her passion and turned it into her career and monetized that. Secondly, she has built a community and created a community uh, that we'll talk about here in this episode that is meant to help women in business and women empowerment kind of got its start when she went to a lot of like mastermind and business events at a really young age and looked around and she's like, man, this is dominated by men. Like where are all the women and wanted to create some more opportunities for that. And so, you know, the best thing to do when you don't think a community exists is go create it. And that's, what she's done. Kudos to her. It's cool to hear that story. Uh, and then third, we you're going to hear in this interview, uh, she actually put out recently like her 22 biggest lessons she learned in the year 2022. And I talked through several of them. There are some great nuggets there. And uh, this conversation, I think, covers a lot of ground. If you want to learn more about Amber, you can find her across all social channels. Uh, it's Amber Faruqi, and that's F-A-R-O-O-Q-U-I. And those notes are in the uh, episode description, so you can check that out. You can go to amberfaruki.com. Uh, you can get involved with her organization, The Sisterhood, and then you can go pick up her book, uh, Finding Your Fit, A Guide to Living Your Best Life. And this is all pretty awesome, too. You're going to hear how young she is and how much she's done it by her time as a Gen Z right at the start of this episode. I'll stop talking. Enjoy this now. Amber Faruki. Amber, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for a little while now. We got through the holidays, and I'm so glad to sit down and uh, have an interview with you. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And you are off working remote right now in Mexico, getting out of your home, Chicago, which is a little cold this time of year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I got here at like 5 a.m., so not on much sleep for this podcast, but it's all right. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You got to Mexico today and you're doing this podcast with me. Yeah. And then I have like three other meetings after this. So poor planning on my part. (laughs) Extra credit. But I mean, on a real note, isn't it cool that we live in a world where you are on vacation, you're out there and you can still work. You still are running your business. I guess I should say businesses, plural. And uh, what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, it's been amazing. I am super blessed to be able to be living this lifestyle. And it took a lot of work and a lot to get here. But I am really, really grateful for doing this. And yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I am so excited to jump into your story today. I think this interview is going to be really helpful for my listeners, uh, especially the younger group of listeners. Uh, I always, you know, break the rule of you're not ever supposed to ask anyone how old they are. But on this show, I'm all about generational theory and how we tie together. So let's start like, you're not very old, right? How old? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm 22. You are I don't 20... think that's old. <laughs> no, you're 22 years old and you're talking about your business experiences. And I'm reading this, trying to do the math. Like, wait, your story starts in 2015. Like you're 22 <laughs> now. How does this work? So that's where I want to start. You have in your bio where you talk about the first sale that you made. Explain what you mean by that. <laughs> yeah, the first sale that I made, it's so funny. I love telling the story. I hated school growing up. It was just okay. not my thing. I was not into it. But my parents, I come from a Middle Eastern background. So they're very, you know, go to school, get a job, become a doctor, yeah. that type of mindset. Sure. Um, even though my dad is an entrepreneur. So I mean, he kind of gets it. But at the same time, he still has that mindset. Yeah. And so my freshman year after... Um, in high school, I was just doing really, really bad. I had a lot of family things going on, a lot of personal struggles, and I was basically failing out of high school. And so then I realized, I was like, I need to figure something out because I don't want to be a loser. I want to make it in this life. I want to be doing big things. And I knew I always wanted to start a business at a young age and do really big things. So I ended up after finals, I got my paper basically saying fail on it. And I was like, I cannot take this home right now. And in that moment, my parents were getting a divorce. That's when my grandpa passed away. A bunch of things were happening. So it was just the worst possible timing for me to take that home to my parents and be like, oh, look what I did, you know, making your life even worse <laughs> than it is. So basically, I went home that night and I put together a presentation on why I should be homeschooled. And then I presented it to my parents and basically telling them all the benefits, all the reasons that they will benefit from it, why it'll be good for me, um, just selling them on the whole idea for it. So that's kind of why I call it my first sale. And in the beginning, they said no. They were like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like a jokester growing up. So everyone was like, oh, this is just another one of her little games. But I was very serious. I'm like, this is something I really, really want to do. And then my dad ended up saying, it's funny because actually my dad, um, she travels a lot for work and he has a vacation home in Mexico, which is where I'm currently at. But at that time he had a different home and he was living here basically full time. And he told me the only way I could be homeschooled is if I experienced different cultures and moved to Mexico with him. And being 15, 14, however old I was, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go to Mexico and tan every single day, homeschooling, <laughs> schooling, sure. Yeah, why not? So then I ended up going there and living there for two years obviously going back and forth from Chicago. Um, yeah. And it was the best two years of my life. Definitely changed to literally everything about me. Huh. Uh, man, there's several pieces of that story that I love. The first is, you know, when it, it, we often use that word failure and it's really easy to chalk things up as a win or a loss or this worked, it didn't. And we speak in these black and whites, but I love you being able to go from, Hey, this is a perceived failure. Like this is what school's telling me. It's a big F in your face. And then all of a sudden you're going, can I turn that into a win? Can I turn that into a victory? And it seems like that's the mindset that you took that quote unquote failure with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so tell me this, that time you spent on the road, uh, all of a sudden you started traveling quite a bit. You started sharing your experiences on social media. How did that evolve? Yeah. 
So actually, that is when I started my first business, basically. I was sharing my journey. It was not in business coaching or what I'm doing today at all. It was completely opposite. It was in fitness. Um, I was a very skinny, petite girl growing up, and that was a very big insecurity of mine. So when I was in Mexico, I wanted to find something to do. My dad had this gigantic home with this huge gym, and I'm like, I should take advantage of it. I might as well do something with my life. I had no friends here. I didn't speak the language. I'm like, I need to be productive. So I ended up going to the gym every single day, just looking up YouTube videos on how to gain muscle, how to grow a butt, how to do this, how to do that, you know? And I started sharing my journey of my fitness journey on social media and everyone started following along with it, started seeing results. And then from there, basically people started reaching out to me, asking me if I would train them. And I was 16 years old at that age. I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally just watching YouTube videos. Like I didn't even know what I was doing. So I was like, ah, like I can send you videos of like, you know, the YouTube and stuff. And they're like, no, I want like a format of your workouts, what you eat, what you do and things like that. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. That's weird. So then I went to my dad and I told him about it and he's like, coming from an entrepreneur background, he was like, you charge them for this. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't think I can do that. Like I'm 16 years old, no idea what I'm doing. So then I basically, when I moved back to Chicago, I started training some of my friends for fun in the beginning, just for free, for fun to see if I was actually capable of giving them results that I was able to get myself. So when I started seeing that they were able to also get results, I realized that what I was doing was actually working. And obviously, I like studied a lot more about fitness during that time, too. And then from there, I started charging people for it. And then just posting on social media It was all because of social media that I was able to basically start that business at such a young age. And then I was training people from all over the world. Literally, one of my first clients was from Australia. So it's just so weird at such a young age. And then, yeah, that was like the first business that I started. And it wasn't intentional. It was just a passion that turned into it. Ah. And two pieces I love about that. One, social media allowing you to connect with people all over the world, right? Like it mm-hmm. wasn't that you were just tied to those close to you in Chicago that you could train, like to have a client in Australia. How cool is that? And then second, figuring out how to turn your passion into a monetized, you know, job's not even the right word, but a way to bring in cash flow. And uh, you figured that out really young. And it sounds like that's now what a lot of what you do is designed around. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically around that time, I was really, really invested into the business side of things, which people mm-hmm. didn't know. It was They just saw me as a girl who lifts weights and weights sure. and knows how to work out and things like that. But behind that, there was so much more that went into it, um, like the marketing, the social media aspect, the sales, all of that was a huge portion of it. And then that's what made my transition very difficult, but um, I was able to do it. So it was nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I, then you write a book. What made you think I'm going to write a book? (laughs) (laughs) That was my transition. Perfect timing. Um, basically I had the idea of writing a book for a very long time because I knew I wanted to get into a different place. And my book is called finding your fit, a guide to living your best life. And it's about the five dimensions of wellness. So your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social well-being, and how to master all five to live a well-rounded life. Because growing up, I thought that being fit, was just the physical appearance of one. But over time, I realized it was so much more than that. It was all five of those dimensions that I just mentioned. So I ended up procrastinating for a very long time. I had the idea. I knew I wanted to do it. Um, I just didn't have the time. I couldn't like find the time to do it and sit down and actually write. 
And then I actually ended up having a surgery um, and I was bedridden for a couple months. So I had no option but to be productive and I or watch movies all day, but I wanted to be productive. It's like you had another (laughs) option. Other people might have taken another route. So then I ended up writing my book and it only took me two weeks to write, actually. So are you serious? Did you follow some sort of template or outline? How'd you put something together that fast? I know. Um, definitely an outline I put together. I invested in like a book writing coach as well during that yeah. time to kind of help me with that. So yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Uh, and that book's still out there. I'll put the notes, uh, I'll put it in the episode <laughs> notes, how they can find it and purchase that there. Uh, let's talk a little bit now about you. That You started going to networking events and masterminds and business classes and you started seeing a theme there. What was that? Yeah, it was very male dominant. That is the thing that I saw and I wanted to change that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me, how did that feel walking into these rooms? Cause not only are you a woman, but you're young, right? So like you come in peppy, I've written a book, I'm doing all these things. How did people react to you? Yeah. I mean, I don't think people took me too seriously, to be honest, when I would walk into those rooms, because I would see I'm like a young girl, I would dress up all like cute. And I mean, everyone in those rooms were like, (laughs) the girls would dress up cute. But at the same time, like I made it a fashion show sometimes. So they would just be like, Oh, she's just here for fun. But like, it really was there to gain knowledge and meet people and learn and educate myself. And I don't think they realized that. But after speaking with me and really getting down to it, I think then they started to take me more seriously. But when you talk to someone and you tell them, oh, I'm 20 years old and these are the things that I want to do and these are the things that I've done, they kind of look at you sometimes as like, like you're cute. You know, they look at you like that. They don't really take you that seriously. So it did take a lot for me to actually show up as someone that, was taken seriously. You know, it took a lot of effort, a lot of just like confidence in myself. Cause going into those rooms, I come off as a confident person, but internally it was very, very scary for me. And I wasn't secure because I'm like, I'm the only girl in here doing these things. And like all the other girls are just either competitive caddy or they are here because of their husbands. They're not really here for themselves, you know? So it was very difficult for me. Uh, what advice would you give to other, you know, younger listeners or maybe people trying to break into some sort of group or community that you might feel like you're the odd one out? How do you step into that confidence to just go, I I belong to be here? Yeah, I think it has a ton to do with mindset. Just definitely believing that you belong here and you're here for a reason. That was a huge thing for me. And then setting goals when you go to these events is really big. This is something that I tell my clients all the time because they ask me how I go to networking events and I'm so confident to talk to people and you know have conversations and all these things. And I'm like, I made it a goal of mine literally when I would go into those rooms to speak to every single female in the room and figure out what their real goals are. And in the beginning, yeah. they'd say I'm here with my husband. But then later on, they tell me I have goals of starting this, this, that business, you know? So like I made that a goal of mine to really go in there and get to know people, not just to get things out of it for myself, but really get to like provide value for other people and show them that what I'm capable of as well and helping other people. So, yeah. Yeah. What what a great perspective of asking that question. Like, what are your goals? Why are you here? How can I help you? I think we're often so prone to be in you know, self-promotion mode, especially at a networking event like that. And uh, people love talking about themselves. So if you want to get those conversations going, it sounds like just start talking to them about them. Exactly. And that takes off the pressure on you, honestly. Then you don't even have to worry about like, 
you know, how am I going to talk about what I'm doing or what my goals are? Just ask them. Like, like you said, people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. So then you said, all right, uh, we got to have more women at events like this. We've got to have more of a community and create a culture. This then leads to, I don't know even what business is it, it is at this point, but another <laughs> business that you started. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I started the sisterhood community about a year ago. And basically it was just because I felt like there was a gap in the space of not having women who really empower each other in a safe place for women to come together and actually uplift each other and collaborate rather than being competitive. So I wanted to create that for, honestly, it was a little selfish. I really wanted that for myself so bad when I was going through those places. And I'm like, if I wanted it, I feel like I'm sure a bunch of other people also wanted it, a bunch of other females. So then I decided to create it. And now I see that it is such a big thing that females are lacking and they crave and they need it. So yeah, I created it. <laughs> I love that. If you find a community that's missing, missing, just go out and build that and build that upon a need that often starts for ourselves. Like, I don't think that's selfish at all. And, you know, what was the reaction as you started, you know, bringing women into the same room and having that focus? Like, I, I know it's, did that sisterhood, to use part of the phrase, like, did that take place quickly or did that take a while to build? It took a while. The first event that I had actually was in uh, 2021 of October. And it was literally just, I just decided, I'm like, okay, I don't really know what I want to do, but I have this big vision. And I told basically my social media about it and mainly my friends. And they're like, oh, you should do an event and like gather people together and do a networking thing. I'm like, that's what I was thinking of doing. So I decided to do that in, in a little office space. And I think like 10 girls showed up, probably nine of them were my friends. One of them was probably someone I didn't know. So it was just very small and intimate. It was good. It was a great time. The ladies loved it. And then this year, as I was growing that community and really, you know, working more with females and the business space and just like having my mastermind that also started, um, I had a conference this year or 2022 October and I sold out tickets. It was a two day event. I had it in Chicago speakers from all over the U S and attendees flew in, which was amazing. So definitely growing and scaling even more. And I just wanted to be bigger and better every single year. And not just because I want it to be like bigger and better, but also because I want it for the females. I feel like we need this and it's something that is lacking. And that's why I want it to be like the number one woman's community and mastermind ever. Oh, that, that's awesome. And uh, we've talked about this before. My listeners probably aren't surprised, but I've said, hey, when you're ready to head west, we've got a spot here in Utah that we'd love to host an event like that and see a bunch of people come together. So stay tuned for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Super excited. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think a lot of what I've heard as you've now talked through this idea of creating the community is built on this abundance men- mindset, right? And trying to help other people be successful. I'm curious if you see a difference in the way our younger generations look at like competition and scarcity and abundance and helping other people win compared to maybe the way it was in the past. That's a good question. Um, I do. I think that it was a lot better in the past than it is now personally, because I feel like to an extent, um, it can go both ways. But I just feel like this generation because of social media and like how we grow up, there's a lot of competition and a lot of Hmm. thinking that there isn't enough room for everyone to win. 
But in reality, there is so much more room for all of us to win and so much more room for us to grow and all of that. But I think a lot of people look at it as a more competitive type of area just because of when they do see someone succeed and succeed very, very highly. It's like, oh, wow, like they start feeling some type of way when it's totally capable capable for anybody out there. It's just you need to have that mindset in order to do it. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I mean, I think you're exactly right about having there be more opportunity out there. And it's it's when that realization of like, I, I think our generation is moving more toward a mindset of there is plenty out there for everyone, right? Like there are more resources, there is more wealth than ever before. And yeah. so what makes you unique? Where's your niche? And how do you chase that? Right, Exactly. That, that's interesting to hear that perspective from you. Do you feel that there's a difference in the you know abundance mentality or competition between men and women? Yes. Yes. This is a good question. <laughs> I definitely way. do. Um, because I just feel like, I mean, times are changing for sure. And I feel like women empowerment is becoming a much bigger thing. And I'm so glad that it is. But a lot of times I feel like People are doing it because it sounds cool. They're not really doing it because they want to empower women. They say like, oh, I'm all down for like women, boss, babe, this, this and that. But in reality, it's still when you go into those groups, I sense like the competitiveness or people talking back and like the cattiness and females. It's just something that we have in us. And I'm not saying that like, I don't know. I just feel like in men, they don't really have that. Men are so giving at times. And I think that they just, they don't have that competitiveness in them and they don't feel the need to one up another person as much. That's just what I've noticed in the space that I've been in. But that's why I wanted to create the community because I feel like there are women out there who really truly do genuinely want to empower women like myself and all the people in my community. So that's why it's something that I think is really important to create and like make a bigger thing and make people realize. I feel like women, even if they are in the room and they still have that sense, I think it's a mindset thing, like giving them that mindset and those resources to realize there's so much out there that like you don't have to feel this type of way because women, they feel that way, but then they know deep down, they don't truly want to feel that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, me, I haven't always been like a woman empowerment type of girl, yeah. like a girl who wants everyone to win. Like I was a very jealous and secure girl as well. Like in the beginning, I was wanting to be like the best in the room and this and that. I think it took time and a lot of mindset work and a lot of healing myself and things like that in order to get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. And as you were saying that, it's reminded as I've kind of looked at my working career and had, you know, women surrounding me that often the women that make it in business, they're used to being the minority, right? They're used to maybe being the only woman in the room. And while that may be scary, I do think there's a point where you kind of get used to that. And I've seen that where all of a sudden a few other women enter and all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, I'm used to being, you know, the only one or being in a smaller group here. And I definitely think that change is happening and is only going to continue. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this now. Uh, you did over the last little bit, 22 lessons that you learned in the year 2022. And I followed all of them along on social media. And uh, there were some nuggets there that I'm like, you know what, what if we did like a rapid fire in this interview? And I want to get into a little more depth on the few that struck me that I wanted to talk to. So uh, without any planning or this, like I've been through your social media right now. Are you all right to join this rapid fire? 
I think so. I'm scared, right. but I'm excited. Let's start here. Explain this for me. One of the lessons you said you learned is that rejection is redirection. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that's the whole mindset thing. I think a lot of times people can look at being rejected, whether it's a career and not getting the job that you wanted or rejected in a relationship or your family telling you no. I think a lot of times people look at it as like, oh my God, my life is over. I suck. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. But in reality, I think when you look at it as in, all right, that wasn't meant for me and I'm meant for something else. And maybe in this season of my life, that's just not what I'm supposed to be doing. And God's timing is perfect. And this is like what I believe, like God's timing is perfect. So this is why that didn't work out. And maybe in the future it will, or there's something else that I am supposed to be doing in this moment. So that's kind of where I was going with that instead of looking at it as such a negative, turning it into a positive. That's like a big, big thing that I've learned throughout growing up, just definitely taking the negatives and turning them into positives, no matter what it is. Uh, so good. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, I, I've heard the phrase before, you either win or you learn. And, and I love that, right? It's okay. You, you are going to have times that the world might, again, place that failure, that F on your scorecard. But what are you able to leverage that and turn that into? It sounds like you've been a really good example of that. And hopefully, are helping others do the same as they come into those events. And how have you seen women in your community turn a failure or a rejection into a victory? Yeah, there's so many ways. I feel like a lot of times a woman and specifically in my community and the woman that I work with in my mastermind, even they are going for a certain type of career or a certain client and they end up not getting that client. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, for example, actually I had this in my mastermind, there was a member who just started her social media agency mm -hmm. and she was getting her first client. I was helping her with the whole process of launching her business, landing her first client, making her first um, like income with her business, all that stuff. And her, the client, she had a call with them and she was so, so like set on, okay, they, they want to work with me. They want to do this. And then they ended up saying no, right? They're like, okay, like it didn't work out. And she's like, oh, I feel like I wasn't good at selling. I didn't do it right. I didn't do this. And we really prepared for this call for her. And I think she had everything right. She did everything. You know, obviously you could do better, but I think that like she was ready for it. And I told her at the end of it, okay, don't be upset because at the end of the day, kind of like the thing, rejection is redirection because later on that week or like the next couple of weeks, she ended up getting another client which ended, ended up being an even better client because the one that I saw that she was getting, I felt like it was iffy and it wasn't her ideal client. And I kept telling her, you get to pick your clients that you work with. So make sure you choose really wisely who you end up going on those calls with and selling and all of that because you don't want to end up with a client that is a hassle at the end of the day. But when you're first starting your business and first getting your first client, you take anything you can get, right? So I wasn't going to tell her, like, don't go for it. If you get it, get it. But she ended up not getting that. And then later on, the client that she got was more of her ideal client and who she was looking for. So that's kind of like an example, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So rejection is a form of <laughs> redirection and that's not just something you say to someone after they get broken up with. I've been told that, right? You're telling me there's some truth beyond that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Good to know. You know, I, I, if that's the case, I've been redirected a lot of times. All right. Moving on. Number two, uh, you talk about being delusional and like actually wanting people to be delusional. Uh, explain what you mean there. Yeah, it is so funny because I feel like this is becoming a bigger thing nowadays, but I've been doing this for so long. Literally, it's just affirmations and manifestation in a sense. It's like 
speaking things into existence, the law of attraction. So speaking and thinking things like you already have it. For example, I'll give you a story here. When I wrote my book, it was a huge goal of mine to hit bestseller. And every single day when I was preparing for that book, actually even more than preparing for that book, like a year in advance, I would tell myself, I am a best-selling author. I'm a best-selling author. I would write it down. I would speak it into existence. I would believe it literally, like believe that I'm capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. And then less than 24 hours after launching my book, I hit bestseller. It's basically like you feeding things into your mind and like believing it and then it turns into reality. You don't have to know how or what makes it work. You just have to believe it's going to work. That's the thing. People look into the details and they're like, but how, but like, why, but that's not like, mm, it doesn't matter. Just be delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And now, man, I'm coming back to dating. I'm like, maybe the, my delusion is my issue that I keep being redirected. Never. All right. We got to go back. Keep going. Keep going. Number three, you said, don't be too afraid of being emotional. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that is huge. I think a lot of people, they tend to hold their emotions in just to show up as this like facade type of person. They have Mm -hmm. it all together, this, this, and that. But I think being emotional is such a big strength to have. And growing up, I was a very emotional person. But then when I got into business, I really suppressed my emotions for a long time. And then it was just very difficult for me, like over time, holding everything in. And when I started being more vulnerable, I started realizing a lot more opportunities were coming my way. And I was allowing for the things that were meant to be in my life to come to me and the things that weren't to not be. So I think just being emotional allows for a lot of things that you don't even realize. I mean, I'm not saying go crying to everyone every single day, sure. but definitely showing your true feelings and um, all of that is really important to do. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of times um, being emotional is viewed as a weakness, right? Or that's almost, it has this negative connotation around it. And I think in a big way, just showing up as yourself, being authentic, being real, that's the only way other people are going to connect with you. So especially if you're in a position where you you know, are leading others and, and yeah. trying to build a team, like you've got to let those walls down and let them see what's inside for you if you're ever going to try to get them to feel comfortable to do the same. Exactly. People like real, I feel like when you're so everything's put together, it's not relatable. No one's life is put together all the time. So definitely showing the true size of you is so crucial and important. Okay. We're halfway through that rapid fire. How are you doing? Good. These are fun. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There are some people I do interviews with that I've never met before, like you. And I'm like, man, this this could be awful. I, we could have nothing to talk about, or this could be great. Some are surprising in a good way, and some in a bad way. But as I watched a lot of your stuff, I'm like, ah, we both talk a million miles a minute, and I think we have plenty to say. I'm not worried that, about this interview one bit. So we'll keep going. Number four, uh, you talked about that you don't always have to tell everyone everything. I love Mm -hmm. this. Please explain. Yes, this was a huge lesson for me in 2022. Oh my God, probably one of the biggest ones because I feel like I would share my entire life with my loved ones, with my best friends, with whoever I'm with, all this stuff, right? And I think it's really, really important to, and I would lose myself during that time. You know, I would like, I felt like I really lost myself in 2022 during some areas of my life. And I think when you have things to yourself that not everyone knows, you build a relationship with yourself. And I think the relationship that you have with yourself and the creator is like the most important relationships that you hold because you're the only person who truly genuinely knows 
every single thing about yourself, like really, really knows. So like you can say everything, but they're not really going to understand. And there's no, I just feel like over time I realized there really isn't a point in telling everyone every detail. You may feel like you need to or like whatever, but you start losing yourself in that. So um, I don't know how to explain it in the best way, but it was a good lesson. <laughs> yeah. I want to dive into that in a little more depth. Like you said, you felt like you lost yourself. What did that feel like? And I mean, how, how did you even know? I just felt like people were telling me who I was sometimes. Mm. I feel like they thought they knew me better than I knew me because they're like, I know everything about you. And like, you tell me this, you tell me that. But then I'm like, yeah, I did tell you that. But like, I was feeling that way in a certain moment. But then like, in reality, I felt this way and whatever, like all this stuff, I just felt like, I was basically using people as my journal. And I think that's not good because like letting our, I, like I mentioned the other lesson, be emotional. That's really important. Yes. To an extent though, you don't share all your emotions with people. I think it's really important to kind of have a journal or somewhat some other place where you can kind of pour your heart out to, and it shouldn't be a person. It should not be another person because I definitely think there's like, you lose yourself in that. And that's what I basically did this year. And I relied on other people to tell me basically who I was and how I felt and all these things just because of how I was in that moment. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like when I'm saying it, it does, but then it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it totally does. I mean, I actually wanted to be like insert drop, drop the mic moment there because I, that phrase that you said of using other people as your journal I think it's so easy to do. And I can relate to that. I did that for a big portion of my life. Like I was very externally motivated. I'm an entertainer by nature. So like I connect with other people. So if I needed to figure out something else within me, I had to talk about it. I had to get it out yeah. there. And luckily I have an awesome mom that the two of us could talk for three hours and not be bored. But at some point, like you've got to start having those conversations internally and with yourself and learning how to have those conversations in a way that don't that doesn't tear you down, but actually mm -hmm. builds you up and makes you better and finding that you can do that on your own for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. In a way that I was able to do that this year a little bit more was talking to myself like my best friend, like in third person, mm -hmm. basically, I would have conversations with myself and not be like you just mentioned, put myself down. I would not put myself down. I would talk to myself like it was my best friend telling me these things because in reality, you should be your own best friend. Like, you're going to be with yourself for your entire life. I mean, you want all these other people, your best friends, your loved ones and everything to be with you forever. But in reality, we don't have control over that. The only thing that we really so know good. is that we're going to be with each other for like ourselves forever. So we might yeah. as well be our own best friend. Uh, so great. Another way I'd put that for the listeners, I've heard this uh, concept explained is talking to yourself as if you were a loving parent of yourself, right? And like, yeah. what advice would you give to yourself at this point? And, uh, you know, it always goes back to when Matthew McConaughey won the Oscar a little while back and he gave that acceptance speech that I remember listening to the first time and thinking, man, that is so cocky and conceited. Did he just say that? And he says, uh, for those of you that don't know about the interview, he says, you know, I often get asked who my hero is and I say that it's myself in 10 years. And I mean, yeah, that's cocky. But that mindset of, okay, what would you, your future self in 10 years, tell yourself now? And then on the flip side, what can I do today that my future self in 10 years is going to say, hey, thank you so much for doing that because I am, I'm so much better off because you put that work in then. Yeah, exactly. And that's a huge form of like healing and therapy as well. Like literally yeah. 
like they talk about healing your inner child and things like that. Like right now is also going to be my inner child in the next 10 years, you know? So building that up for myself is really important. So what you just mentioned is spot on. Fantastic. It's a really good one. Two more. You talked about want, uh, as I use the word wanting to eliminate the word want and the dangers of the word want. Uh, I actually was just reading about this and I want to hear Amber Faruqi's take. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I do say I want this, I want that, but I try to, you know, stop myself. Even I said it in this uh, little podcast and I was like, oh shoot, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so it was but, on your mind before I answered the question or asked the question. Yeah. But I think it, just like I mentioned, being delusional, instead of saying want, speak it like you already have it. Like instead of I want to be a bestseller, you say I am a bestseller. Instead of I want to be a seven-figure business owner, I am a seven-figure business owner. You talk to yourself like you already have the things. And I think that's just really, really important. And like your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and what's not real. And a lot of the times it tends to look at the negative more than the positive. It's just easier for humans to look at the negative for some reason than the positive because looking sure. at the positive requires a little bit more effort at times yeah. um, and like being more conscious about it. But I think it's really important to kind of train your brain and your mindset to think that way. And I'm still doing this daily. I'm not saying that I'm like perfect. Like I mentioned, like I don't, I have times where I slip up and things like that. And that's okay, but just being conscious about it is the most important thing. Yeah. I've talked about that before. I think often when you have yourself in the mindset of wanting, it's also, even if it's subconscious, you saying, I'm not okay with where I'm at right now. And so yeah. the, the solution to my problems, my, the solution to my problems in the now is the future. And if that's how you look at things, that's the formula for a really unfulfilled and unhappy life. Exactly. That's just thinking in a lack mindset. And I think we need yeah. to think more in abundance. Yeah. All right. Last one. You use two words. We've all heard of the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you would want to be treated. But you added something to that. You said treat and celebrate others the way you would want to be treated and celebrated. One, I think that's just very well said. Two, Go into it a little more. Yeah, I think this is huge. I feel like for so long, I was always expecting so much from other people because I did all these things. And I didn't want to like celebrate or, you know, hype myself up, but I definitely wanted other people to do it. And I have people in my life that have, but at the same time, I feel like that is not what you should be like expecting from others. Yeah. But I think when you do those things to other people and treat and celebrate them like you want to be treated and celebrated, it comes back in return. You're not doing it because you want it to come back in return. Sure. That's just going to be another factor, obviously, and hopefully. But at the same time, so you, at the same time, you will feel a lot more fulfilled in your life when you do that for other people. And I think um, we think that we want it from others, but giving it to other people is like 10 times more satisfying. And I've realized that throughout this year, definitely more than past years. Yeah. I think we're starting to get that more and more. Uh, you know, in my professional career, I get to work with influencers quite a bit. And, you know, it's very clear whenever I talk to influencers, like, oh, what's the best way that you found to grow your brand? Like almost all of them without fail will tell me it comes from collaborating with others. And as we talk about each other, we both benefit. And then I'll ask more questions like, well, what if they do the same thing? What if they're a personal trainer? What if they're a nutrition coach, like just like you? And they've actually, most of them said, well, actually, the more similar you are to that person, the more likely their followers are people that would be interested in what you're doing. There's plenty to go around. And I think 
catching on to that mindset of, you know, heck, use your social media to talk about how awesome everybody else is and then see what happens. Exactly. So big. So important, I think. Yeah. So at this point in the interview, I, I often like to kind of go crystal ball moment here for a minute. Uh, you know, we talk about, obviously we want to be in the now and we've talked about the changes that are happening in society and different ways of thinking with, uh, you know, younger generations kind of taking over. We couldn't have imagined 20 years ago how much like the business landscape has changed now with social media. I mean, frankly, your story probably isn't possible if you're 20 years younger, right? And I'm curious, what do you feel like is the next step of that evolution? And what might be happening in 20 years that we wouldn't be able to fathom now? Oh, wow. I cannot even imagine like what is going to happen in 20 years. It is going to be crazy, like just sure. crazy. I think that I feel like the virtual world is going to become a lot more of reality. And honestly, I kind of say that like, unfortunately, because I feel like where we're at right now is such a good place. And I want things to be kind. I kind of want things to stay how they are right now. But I know yeah. that obviously as we go on it's definitely going to evolve a lot more so i think like like virtual reality and like all of that type of stuff is going to become a lot more big i think a lot of people are not going to be working in person like even i went to zara the other day in chicago and it was basically i mean this isn't really virtual reality but they got rid of all of the cashiers at zara and no you do self-checkout at zara i was like what like i get that at target or like whatever, CVS even, whatever, those type of places, I've seen it. But at like actual stores like that, like I feel like jobs are gonna start like just going away. The need for people isn't really going to be there as much in person, um, more virtually, which is cool in a way, but also I feel like it does have like its cons as well. Sure, I'd agree with you. And I think it just places the importance on knowing your value and following your passion and seeing what does make you different and trying to, you know, build your career or life in a way that's maximizing what makes you unique more than anything else, if we're going to make it in this new world. Yeah. And I think right now is a perfect time to get into like social media and this digital age, because this is literally where it's booming. And this is where people are going to either make it or they're going to be like, I wish I did that when it was such a big thing, you know? Yeah. Great advice. Great answer. So tell me this. Uh, we've talked about what might be next for like society as a whole. What is next for Amber? Like what, what do you see? Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you hope to do? Let's speak some things into existence here. Yeah, definitely. I, oh my God, there's so much that I am hoping to accomplish. There is a ton. Definitely growing the sisterhood community is a huge, huge goal of mine. Just mm -hmm. empowering and helping more women actually reach their full potential and realize that they're capable of all these things that they, you know, dream of. And turning their dreams into reality is huge for me. Um, turning the conference into the number one women's conference is going to be a big goal of mine. I don't know about five years, but definitely in within like the yeah. next 10 years, I'm hoping that that is something that's going to happen. It is something that's going to happen. And then the mastermind also, the number one women's mastermind. I feel like it's not something that I hear too much about. And yeah. I'm in like the entrepreneurship space and I haven't heard about a woman's mastermind. I mean, I've heard of a few, but they're not like very, very well known or very like evolved. So I definitely want to create that. So those are definitely the big things for me. Um, 
yeah, just really, really honing in on that. That's cool. I, I love that that's your focus and having that focus be on empowering and building others up. And I'll put this into existence. Uh, I am not going to say the word want. I am going to be speaking at one of those events, uh, that women empowerment. Let's hope it's the biggest women's conference ever. And uh, yes. excited to see where we'll both be in five to 10 years, right? Yeah. Uh, where for my listeners, can they find you? Can they follow you and get involved in the things you're doing? Yeah, I'm everywhere on socials. Instagram is my most primary platform. It's just Amber Faruqi, my name. Um, Facebook, TikTok, on all of it, it's just Amber Faruqi. You can find me. Cool. You're kind of like me. There's probably only one Amber Faruqi in the world. Is that right? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, there's only one Connor DeLynn. You can't find anything else. So if you spell my name right, you found me. And I'll make sure you spell her name right if you look in the yeah. notes below. Uh, check out her book. For those of you that are interested in, you know, one-on-one coaching, privates, I know you do those kind of things, as well as the masterminds and the group settings and the women's mm -hmm. conference. Obviously, there's a lot to see there. Go give her a follow if for nothing else than just some uh, great content along the way. And uh, Amber, is there anything you want to say in closing and wrap up this interview? I think this was great. I am so excited and happy that we did this. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this really, really impacts and empowers the listeners that you have. Absolutely. Love it. And we hope to uh, get you to Utah here soon. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I gave her the warning. She knows this is coming. Clowns to the left me. Joke is to the right. Here I am stuck in the oh, you middle with you. Yeah, I kind of keep it up my sleeve. All right. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you next time. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am.